Man, we're nerds. That's confirmed. Lots of good episodes. We've got a whole page of good stuff. Cinematic masterpiece. Cinematography. We've got half a page of nitpicks. I feel like we've grown as a podcast. Like a fungus. This is good because it makes me think. Just the creativity of putting this together. It's a science experiment. And it's going to be funny. Fun for the whole family. The most professional podcast on the internet. Keep doing whatever makes you a discerning geek. The Discerning Geeks Portal. Welcome back, discerning listeners, to the Discerning Geeks Portal, where we take a discerning look into all things geek. I'm joined by my two best friends, David and Todd. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Okay, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. Um, I'm very excited for this review because it's going to be interesting. Um, so let's just jump right in. Um, Todd, tell us what we're reviewing. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. All right. So the movie that we are reviewing tonight is The Mist. After a destructive storm, residents of a small New England town seek food and supplies in the local supermarket. The store becomes an unexpected makeshift shelter for dozens of residents when a mysterious mist shrouds the town, contains otherworldly horrors from within, and triggers people's worst inclinations through fear, paranoia, and fanaticism. The Miss is starring Thomas Jane as David Drayton, the movie poster painter and main protagonist, Nathan Gamble as Billy Drayton, David's eight-year-old son, Andre Brower as Brent Norton, the prickly and skeptical neighbor, Lori Holden as Amanda Dumfrey, a new teacher in town who helps David take care of Billy in the store, Jeffrey DeMunn as Dan Miller, one of the first witnesses to the horrors, Francis Sternhagen as Irene Repler, an elderly teacher. Marcia Gay Harden as Mrs. Carmody, the End Times fanatic. William Sadler as Jim Grondon, the mechanic. Toby Jones as Ollie Weeks, the supermarket's assistant manager. Alexa Davalos as Sally, the cashier. And Sam Witwer as Private Wayne Jessup. Um, and I think one of the strengths of this movie is the, the cast. So I'll just, I, I, in fact, some of them have been in way too many things to list them all, but I figured I'd, I'd highlight a few things. Andre Brower, Dave, if I remember correctly, you might have liked this show. You might recognize him as Captain Marcus Chaplin from Last Resort. That's that one season show about the submarine captain that kind of takes over the submarine in a, in a small island. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, Lori Holden might uh, be well known for playing Andrea on 32 episodes of The Walking Dead. I've only seen one episode of that show and I wasn't interested, but some people out there might recognize her. And I think one other actress in the show was also from The Walking Dead. Uh, William Sadler is probably recognized as Hayden from the great classic movie, The Shawshank Redemption. He was also Luther Sloan in three episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and President Matthew Ellis in two or three movies of the MCU. Toby Jones played Armin Zola in several, epi- uh, several uh, installments of the MCU. Alexa Davalos uh, played Juliana Crane in all four seasons of The Man in the High Castle, which sadly I would not recommend because it kind of got off to a slow start, finally got good. And then when it got to a serious finale, it kind of ended just in a really bad way. And then Sam Witwer played Aiden Waite in four seasons, all four seasons of Being Human. He also voices Emperor Palpatine and Darth Maul in various animated Star Wars titles. 
I got to meet him and the rest of the cast of Being Human US at DragonCon one year, and I forgot to check, but I think it was 2014. And to this day, uh, that cast, at least as far as I'm concerned, is one of the best groups of guests at DragonCon ever because of how high energy they were. They, they weren't just friendly to the fans and answer questions, they put on a show for every panel that they did. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, I remember talking to Sam Whitworth the, the last day of the con. I went to the uh, Walk of Fame and said, you guys were, were great guests and, and you were such high energy. And he said, actually, we're getting kind of tired. <laughs> I think they actually wore themselves out. Anyway, so moving on back to The Mist. The Miss was released on November 12th, 2007 uh, with an obvious rating of R. It was written and directed by Frank Darabont, who was also the writer and director of The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile, two movies that were much more uplifting than this movie. Uh, the uh, excuse me, the uh, Mist is based on a novella by Stephen King, and I think even though they're they're much different, Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile I think are also based on Stephen King works. And I don't usually talk about other crew and I don't have specific names, uh, but apparently in order to save time and maybe even a little bit of money, the cinematographer and camera crew, and I think even the editor from the TV show, The Shield, were used on this shoot. Apparently this shoot was done in eight weeks and I guess the camera crew of The Shield knew how to shoot things really quickly, so they were used. Uh, and where can you find The Mist? It is currently on Netflix. I actually watched this on Netflix, and currently it is number three out of ten in movies watched in the USA, and I, that surprised me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't seem right, unless it's one of those new releases to Netflix thing. Moving on to the thunderstorm phase. All right. This is where we will talk about first impressions of the movie. How do you all feel about it? Oh, uh, kind of depressed. Yeah. Uh, it's not exactly a happy movie. That's why I said it's very different from those other two things: the the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile. And we'll, I'm sure, we'll get in that at the the end of the review. The ending is kind of what uh, pushes over over to the edge into being hard to like. But there are some redeeming qualities along the way, and I guess we'll get into that some. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a tough movie, and I kind of knew what the ending was going to be before even watching it, so I was really dreading it. And some of that dread was realized, and, but then there's also kind of like a, a little relief built in. Uh, so I'll explain what that is later too. All right, so we watched this because it was one of Dave's recommendations. It was on the list from last year. And we wanted to honor him and and follow through with those things. And so as much as possible, I tried to look for some reason why this deserves some kind of acknowledgement or, or some kind of thing on the list. That being said, I came up empty. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I came up completely empty. I tried to research and find why people consider this some kind of cult favorite movie. And there is nothing about this movie that I can put in a positive column anywhere. So sadly, my list of positives is going to be very short. <laughs> um, 
and I'm gonna have to bite my tongue on a long list of negatives because I I want my two hours back. There's only been about wow. two movies I've watched in my life where I like really felt cheated and wanted my my life back and this now makes number three um like i i literally if i was in a theater would have like almost tried to get my money back at the end because i just this was worthless and and in every way i think i know what one of the first i think i know what one of the first two were it was uh yeah some kind of shakespeare adaptation right yes Romeo and Juliet, whatever that thing was with Pretty Boy from uh, DiCaprio. Yeah, that's just a waste of film. And the other is very much similar in scope and and kind of depressing. And it's the um, basically a killer uses the seven deadly sins to go around killing people. And it's just a horrible movie. And this falls in that same category. So take it away. (laughs) So for me, those two movies are the two National Treasure movies, but, you know, that's just me. I'm okay with that. I I will warn our audience, I I made a triple drink tonight for this podcast because I'm hoping that it leads to something entertaining. Um, (laughs) Go ahead, Um, Andrew. So when I first watched this movie, I was, similar to Todd, I was just depressed i was just like why would anybody ever make something so sad what is the reason but the more i pondered the movie and the more i thought about it and i actually gave like the first half a rewatch i actually turned around to this movie i don't know i did it it started to get better and i started to think about the things that they're trying to portray and i actually think that i might like this movie Wow. Okay. But it took work, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it did not happen to me. <laughs> the the ending just hits you in the groin, doesn't it? <laughs> right. The yeah. first time I saw that, I was like, oh my. And then, you know, just spoiler alert for the ending. Spoilers. Seeing him have to kill four people, including his son, and then minutes later, rescue arriving was like, Wow. It was just devastating to anybody who watches this movie. Yeah. And before I forget, one thing I'm curious about, Dave, since you did a little bit of research, I'm curious if you found out how the novella is different, because apparently that really super depressing ending was a product of Frank Darabont, which, again, is so weird that he was capable of pulling that off when he's the same person who did the uplifting story, Shawshank Redemption and and The Green Mile. But um, apparently he's the one that created that ending. And it and Stephen King actually made some kind of comment about, wow, you really shocked me with it or or you made the ending even better or something like that. And Frank Darabont was proud of that or something. And so I'm wondering how the novella ended. And I didn't know if you knew or not. I don't know specifics. I've never read the novella. From what I can tell, the novella is more your typical kind of monster movie this mist is there and things are getting you out of the mist and it's that discovery of what's in the mist that is kind of the the leading part of the story um it's kind of an area that i felt like this i don't even consider this a horror movie 
great because it wasn't even scary in the sense of the stuff in like a horror movie. I mean, I'm not going to show my kids because it has kind of these goofy creatures that come out of the mist, but a, I don't know, a, a good horror movie kind of makes you wait for that reveal of what the monsters are. And we start seeing them right away and it's like, Oh look. And then they look like, I, one of them looked like a mammoth. I don't know. It was it was just stupid. I, I really, I tried. I tried really hard to say like, oh well, maybe there were some elements of this movie that that were good and done well, and and there was nothing. There was nothing in it that I was like, oh, that was good. No, yeah, I felt like the the cinematography was cheap. I felt like the there was no plot. There was no reason for any of it. And so it was like, okay, what's the point? Yeah, you there know, was no cinnamon in that photography. Was there was it? no cinematography. There was no cinnamon. There wasn't even butterscotch in that They sucker. didn't even try to flavor it. I mean, it was just, it was, it was so bland. And, and I, I was kind of like, well, okay, maybe the creatures will be cool. But, Okay, giant mosquito bug coming to get me and giant pterodactyl looking thing that didn't even look realistic in any way, shape or form or, or it looked like any. it, it was just dumb. I mean, I, sorry, I, I, I'm going to try to I don't want to I don't want to jump the gun, but there was there was nothing here that I felt like at any point I could say, oh, well, at least this character's performance was good. No, there, there was nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> I, I, there was nothing. So, okay. yeah, that's hard yeah. for me to swallow uh, for now, but um, before we get too far and I'm going to kind of lead off of what you said, let's go into the next phase, the supermarket phase, which is where we go over, you know, characters, settings, and the premise itself, you know, maybe some things like the monsters. So let's just, you know, dive right into it, you know? The monsters are fake, the characters are dumb, the setting is a grocery store, and the premise doesn't exist. All okay, right, I'm done. Yeah. Go ahead, next. So, um, <laughs> can I, you know, I get the whole monster thing, because it's very hard to take a vague book adaptation and make it into something on a screen which is sort of the problem this movie faced in the monster department. I think it did all right, but it certainly wasn't phenomenal. But can you tell me why you feel the way you do about the characters? Can you elaborate? They were just, there was none of them that acted with any intelligence whatsoever. Mm. I take that back. Hold on. I take that back. There was one character that I enjoyed in the entire movie. So I guess you guys have pulled out a bright spot from from me about this movie and i don't even know the character's name or or his position is some chubby guy that worked at the at the grocery store who actually acted like he had some sense he was the one that ended up shooting the another guy yeah he was the only person and then even then it was kind of like they take that away from you and he dies in some meaningless stupid way nothing that they did was meaningful yeah so played Ollie Weeks. Yeah. So even that kind of like the, the one small bright spot didn't even last very long because they just decided, you know what, let's just meaningless kill this person here and not give them a chance. And I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, how about you, Todd? 
how do you feel about characters, setting, and premise? Okay, well, as far as the characters, uh, I wouldn't say any of them are stellar characters, but they're also just simple townsfolk type people. So I, I'm not going to expect any of them to be super heroic. At the same time, and, and this might get a little bit, yeah, I guess this might get a little bit into the premise too. I, I think the premise is that this, well, you'll get into the setting too. This supermarket ends up being kind of like a little microcosm of society. It's how people work together in a crisis and it's about tough decision-making and, and and basically just how people react to each other and, and teamwork and, and rebellion. And it, you know, it just, it covers all those aspects of society in this one little grocery store. And so I was kind of impressed on how it handles some of the characters, like going down the list, Thomas Jane's character, David Drayton. I think one of his best moments was when he explained to everybody, actually, one of our biggest threats is Mrs. Carmody, because yes, we've got these monsters outside, but at least they're outside. She's in here with us and she is going to be a problem. And she's, she is a fanatic. She's already starting to turn some people fanatic with her and it's going to get worse. And sure enough, he was right. So I kind of liked his really smart prediction there. Now, one little tidbit I read on IMDb, and this is a little bit of a spoiler for the novella, apparently, is that Laurie Holden's character, Amanda Dumfrey, and Thomas Jane's character, David Drayton, apparently do hook up in the novella. And they didn't hear. And I like the fact that they didn't. I think that would have been just like a waste of time. And I, I'm not sure I see the point of it. Uh, but at the same time, I like how Amanda's character kind of becomes the kind of surrogate mother in a way. Uh, because since David is kind of the main protagonist and he's kind of got to do the this kind of quasi hero stuff, somebody needs to look after his kid and Amanda ends up doing that. And so there, there is no attraction or anything like that. Uh, but at the same time, she does kind of stand in as the substitute wife, so to speak. And then some of the other characters, while I wouldn't go so far as to say they were likable, most of them weren't unlikable. Now, some of them weren't that great, like William Sadler, Sadler's character, the mechanic who kind of goes nuts. Yeah, he was a bit over the top. And then obviously there's Mrs. Carmody, who the end times fanatic. Yeah, she's trouble. But as much as her character is unlikable, her character serves a purpose. She is important to the story. And then, Dave, you were talking about Toby Jones' character, Ollie Weeks. I kind of like how not only is this kind of like a character study on how people would react, I like how they do the best with the, the uh, not supplies, what I want to say, with the resources they have available. So, you know, they're in a grocery store, which means they don't have a shortage of food for a while. But this glass is also pretty fragile. So at least they're smart enough to take uh, dog food and other things that are in big bags and kind of bag them up in front of the uh, in front of the store. And sadly, they can't, you know, it only goes up about halfway. So they still got some exposed glass, but at least they do something. Uh, this uh, uh, Amanda character, she has a gun with her, but she's not great at shooting it. Well, Ollie Weeks uh, is pretty good at shooting a gun. He's had some practice at it, but he doesn't have the gun. So they have enough sense to give the gun to him because if they need to use it, he's the one who's probably going to use the gun the best. So I do like the the cooperation that's involved between these characters. 
And uh, I've been rambling for a while, so I, I guess everything I've talked about does kind of combine the characters, the setting, and the premise into some of the best parts of the movie and some of the things that I see as redeeming qualities and also something I was trying to keep in mind at the time because, like we said, this was one of Dave's picks. And I was trying to think, why would he pick this? But I think it is that character study nature of the, the movie that it – they are in this one little setting. They do have limited resources. They do have to work together. And that is more about what the movie's about than just these creatures that are outside. Um, yeah, I'd say I agree with you about the characters. I like the characters, actually. Um, I think that David was a good character. I think that Miss Carmody was played really well by her mm-hmm. actress. Um, in fact, I think you almost have um, three perspectives from society on society as a whole um you have you know the level-headed one is david and then brent norton is sort of the flat earther one who ignores the evidence and just stupidly is in denial even to his own demise and you also have mrs carmody which is kind of just the religious nut job you know you have these three Mm -hmm. conflicting concepts and they each have people that you know support them you know as they lead and then eventually only the level-headed one survives even though he kind of has to go insane i i like the characters i like how they interact with each other i like how we sort of get a portrayal on society and the human condition through these characters you know they each represent how society reacts when and how people react when there's impending doom, you know, and hope is taken away. And so, know. so let me, I guess that begs the question, right? Cause I kind of fall on the other, on the other end of the spectrum. I think one of my biggest issues with this was, like I said, it wasn't a horror movie. It didn't try to be a horror movie. It tried to be a, like you, like Todd had mentioned, some kind of character study on the way people would act. And I think, okay, maybe from the perspective of the depressed psychopath, yes, this is how everybody would act in a crisis. But I almost felt like there was no no variety. I mean, it, that that that's the only perspective we got. Oh, this is deranged psychopath who's depressed. This is how everybody's going to act when these things go bad. And... I, I I was like, that's not society to me. And and so I, I had a very hard time with let me force this to be the way you think society is going to act when there was no balance in it and there was no real explanation as to really why people would act that way. I mean, how many people committed suicide in this movie or, you know, kind of, euthanized or whatever i mean i guess for me and this is me personally and i'm gonna kind of take this to a place what i sometimes do i have hope when all hope is lost because my life is not determined by this world no matter if crazy aliens come out of the mist i don't have to worry about that and so i get very frustrated when the only religion we get is portrayed as some psycho nut job when there should be somebody of actual faith there that portrays that in a reasonable way and doesn't try to degrade it. And it made me mad. 
It's okay. It's not okay to have a football team called the Redskins because that's offensive, but we can bash any Christian we want a hundred times over in any form we want. And there's never any thought that that shouldn't be there. Oh no, that's realistic. We, we, all Christians are like that. So that makes sense. And I take personal offense to it because it's not how it is. And nobody in that grocery store was a person of real faith in a small town and, uh, you know, and all the different characters, all we get is, you know, and, and that just tells me that the source, you know, the people writing it, uh, you know, all of that didn't have any faith. That doesn't tell me anything about society. That just tells me about them. And since that's where they're coming from, I don't have anything that I need from them. And especially when what they portray is depressing and not entertaining in a media where the whole point is to be entertaining. If I watch a movie, I want to be entertained. And at the very least, I want to be, you know, kind of thinking about something or or pushed in a way to feel something. And this was just, oh, let me make you feel like crap as much as possible. Aren't you glad you watched this movie? No, I got better things to do than watch somebody try to depress me. And so, yeah, sorry. That's me kind of on my rant. I'll, I'll sit, go back here to my fidget spinner and let you guys talk about some good stuff. Man, Drunk Dave is a vibe. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. See, in a way, I'm starting to realize it. This is my Dune. You know, the same way Teague saw Dune is the way I see this movie, where everybody else calls it a wet pile of mulch or a big ball of nothing. I'm saying that this movie is good. Because it makes me think. It makes me want to go deeper and to think about, you know, the psychology and the morals and, you know, how people would react if they're put into a situation where they are put under immense pressure, immense fear, and are drained of hope completely. How do they react? How do they crack under the pressure? How, you know, when hope is lost, the human condition really kicks in and nothing matters and all they're trying to do is just escape the pain and that's why the mercy killing happens that's why the suicide happens because all they know how to do now is die easier essentially to die without getting tortured and that's what happens that's why hope is such an important aspect in each of our lives you know that's why it's almost a polar opposite to a movie we reviewed a while back Children of Men, where that movie was all about hope, and this movie is all about draining hope. But that's just how I feel about it. I can understand where you're coming from, how this doesn't really work for you if you can't, if you don't feel motivated to go deeper. Well, and like I said, my premise going into this was Dave wanted this on here for a reason. I should look for that reason. I stayed up late last night digging you know, why this movie was good, what people thought about it and why, you know, and, and even in that, it's just a pile of garbage because it's not based on the whole population. It's not based on everybody. The reason that we have a hero in any story is usually that they're the one that holds out hope, right? Right. Even when 
Bilbo Baggins. You mean Frodo Baggins. Is climbing up Mount Doom and giving up. Sam picks him up and carries him because he has hope. To lose all hope means that you've put your faith in things that weren't real to begin with. And that's what these characters did. But it frustrates me that there wasn't an effort to have someone who had real faith and real hope. And they didn't even try to do that. Even the main character, it's like, oh, nope, it looks like we're we're doomed. Let me shoot everybody and put them out of their misery. Oh, now I'm upset because, look, the army's here. And I oh, didn't have to in, do all that. In a that. way, you're wrong. Because the entire thing is about what happens when the good guy doesn't hold out hope. It is the worst case scenario. Because if they did hold out hope for five minutes longer, if they did, this is what happens when you don't hold out hope. If you, if they had held out, if they had said, no, let's try to walk the rest of the way. If they had said, maybe let's wait here. They had said, maybe let's try to, you know, put the car in neutral maybe. And use gravity. I, you know, if they had tried anything, they would have been taken in by the military. And in a way, the woman from the beginning with her kids, the one that did survive and get to that everything worked out okay, even though immeasurable odds, she was the one who held out hope. And she was the one who fought through and she didn't have any fear because she knew that her kids were more important than any of her fear and that she was going to hold out hope that she could save her kids. And she did. But see, that's not how the movie used it. The movie used it as let me just drive home again. How had these people just left when they first started, they would have all gotten home and been hunky dory, but no, they borrowed hope. That is what they were trying to portray. It's just, you're not picking up on it. You know, it's just, I mean, you can't say he had any hope because he killed his old son. I mean, and I can't, there is nothing, there is nothing ever, nowhere, no how, anything that's going to get me past that. And, and I, that, that's me. I, I've, I've kind of thrown that out there and, and I tried, like I said, I, I read some reviews, people feel kind of similar. Oh, isn't it a cool character study? And, and isn't this a great way to kind of look at, you know what? If that's how you feel society is, you should already have committed suicide because life is always going to be like that. But you got to look for something to have hope and it it is not going to be found here. Listeners, I'm going to tell you that right now. If you got hope in money, if you got hope in family, if you got hope in relationships, if you've got hope in your own, you know, house, it is not here. Never going to be here. So you got to find that hope somewhere else. And if you need to definitely email me, reach to me, I will tell you where to find it. Uh, I'm not going to preach to you on here. That's not the point of this podcast, (laughs) but, uh, but this movie didn't have it. And it just shows a bunch of people that don't have it and don't care to have it. And they think that that's okay in life to go without it. And I'm not going to, sit there and say that there's anything redeeming about that because they've they've already lost the battle it didn't matter if the miss got them or not so and and it wasn't even entertaining there was no no, nothing entertaining about it so at least in gladiator when somebody dies it's kind of cool i mean (laughs) there was nothing entertaining about it 
Um, sorry, I'm 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 gonna calm down. <gasps> Take another drink. Go ahead, y'all. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. All right, five more shots of tequila for Dave, Todd. Uh, we've already sort of stepped into the third phase, the mist phase, measure positives and negatives. And I think that this would count as that. But Todd, did you feel anything about, you know, how this movie acted as a portrayal of the human condition and what happens when hope is lost? Did you feel any of that or did you just look at it at a face value? I Yeah, I did. I'm not sure I focused that much on hope as much as being stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, and Dave, I totally agree with you. This is a totally depressing movie and yeah, it doesn't have any hope. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you on that, but it did bring to mind today one comparison I had, and this is going to be depressing too, but it actually made me think about uh, a few images from nine 11 where you've got people who are literally jumping out of the building because what's worse, uh, the, uh, burning jet fuel that's dripping on them from behind or just jumping and getting it over with. And that's how I looked at some of the decisions that were made in this movie. And, and some people either going crazy or committing suicide or whatever. Uh, it, it was that being caught between a rock and a hard place. And yeah, maybe some people didn't make the right decision, but in a crisis, Maybe you wouldn't. I And that's kind of the way I looked at it is not necessarily everybody doing the right thing, but just being faced with the decision in the first place. Uh, so, again, I guess I guess I kept trying too hard and maybe that's what softened the blow of everything. Of Like I said, trying to figure out why Dave wanted us to watch this. And so I did approach it more psychologically as the the character study and and i also kind of knew what was ahead in the ending so i was just like i know how i know i know how this is going to go and so i didn't even bother approaching it from the hope or no hope aspect and just because i already knew there wasn't any hope and i just i looked at it more as the process before getting to the no hope phase and how people handled it along the way rather than the destination. So, yeah, I don't know if that made sense or not. (laughs) Um, No, you did. You were concise. Um, But, yeah, in the miss phase, we're going to go over major positives and negatives. So if you have any major positives or negatives, Dave, um, then you can go ahead and feel free. You want me to say something? (laughs) You're the one that's being all negative, Nancy. I figured you'd want to say something. Again, I really wish I had a positive. I looked. I looked. I I would love to be able to say, well, you know, at least this movie's worth watching because it does a good character study. I don't feel it does that. I feel like it's a cheap, one-sided character study. I mean, it's kind of like, I don't even know the right, the right, way to frame it i mean you're basically taking all negative sides of everything and saying hey let's look at this as a character study when we only look at the one side and so i i couldn't i don't even think to me it was a fair character study in any way shape or form i i felt like i've mentioned before that the monsters weren't even entertaining Leanne watched it with me. She thought the the spiders were scary, but that's because she hates spiders anyways. And she's like, why it gotta be spiders? And I'm like, well, because you know, it's 
I don't know, they're, they're alien spiders because they didn't have enough creativity to make them something else. So there wasn't even any creativity in, in the monsters in my point of view. I, I, I just didn't have anything. I can't think of a single reason why anyone should waste five minutes on this movie. Well, I agree with you because of the ending, <laughs> but, um, as far as the character study aspect, I mean, it sounds like you just wrote that off. Uh, and it's, uh, it's understandable if you had your reason for doing so. Maybe I came at this from a more pessimistic standpoint because I felt it was all too realistic, a character study, because whether it's, um, whether it's religion or politics or uh, social philosophy or whatever, whenever you get somebody and you think we're all in this together and we should all stand to get everything falls apart. And like I said, maybe that's pessimistic of me. And it's not that, and I'm not even coming at this from a lack of hope. I know you argued about hope later earlier. Uh, I'm not saying that there isn't hope that we shouldn't look toward. It's just realistically and logistically stuff falls apart. Uh, and we see that in society all the time. It, it's whether it's, you know, war in Europe or our political situation or social situation or uh, or whether it's uh, religion. And I'm not even going to go into specifics because you can probably use your imagination and, and and think of examples on your own. Whenever we should say, OK, we've, we've got a common goal, we should stick together society, it falls apart. And so. I can see why you might have been offended by, yeah, the of course the the lady who who claims to be Christian is total nut job and and takes everything too far. And I can get why, you know, specifically if you take it on face value that that you would be offended by that. But even if you just, like I said, substitute her religion for something else, whether it's a an idea on how they should survive or a political viewpoint or what somebody is going, somebody from within is going to have a different opinion. That's going to mess it up for the group. Uh, same with Andre Brower's character who, who leaves. And the weird thing is I'm not sure that the movie ever addresses what happens to his group, whether they survive or not. I thought they were the ones that were in the drugstore next door, but apparently those are the MPs, uh, the military police. So I'm not sure that Brent's, uh, departure ever gets addressed. And I don't think that he's with the, the lady and the kids in the, uh, in the military truck at the very end. So maybe his group got eaten and maybe they survived. I don't know. Um, but I, I, yeah, like I said, maybe I approached it too pessimistically, but I was just like, yeah, that's kind of the way society is. It, we, we, we can't stick together. Somebody's got to mess it up for everybody else. And I guess that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. And here's why. Because I think that's one of my biggest issues with kind of this movie. It's always easy to go negative. Always. It's the reason that our Facebook posts are this past couple of weeks have just been nothing but, oh, if you believe, you know, babies are alive, then you're, or if you want to ban abortions or whatever, I mean, it's, it's all negative. It's so easy to go negative and it's so easy to flood the image with negative to where that's what people always believe. Oh, everybody's going to go negative. But what I always see is during the Russian invasion of Ukraine, people in neighboring countries as the, the 
families were leaving Ukraine, were leaving their strollers at the train station for moms to be able to put their children in when they get to those countries, just to give them a little comfort. So you can't tell me when there's no hope, there's everybody's going to act like that because there's always those dark spots when faced with, you know, unwanted pregnancies and babies born with drugs and alcohol. There is a lady in our church who has fostered over 75 babies, infants, drug and alcohol addicted babies through the first sometimes two years of their life just to get them to the point where they could be adopted and have a successful life. There is always people doing the right things and having hope. And so it's easy to say, oh, no, no, look, it's it's all this. Let's just show you the negative and believe that everything's always going to be negative. There's always going to be those negative elements. Yes, we live in a sinful world and there will always be negative elements, but there is always love and there is always hope and it always overcomes. And so a movie that takes that and says, nope, I'm just going to shove that aside and pretend like it doesn't exist. I don't have anything to do with because it's not true. It's just not true. Do the bad elements exist? Yes. I wouldn't have had a problem with that one character, you know, spouting her crazy beliefs or whatever, if it was balanced in some way, somewhere along the line with somebody who had genuine love and hope in their bodies. And none of that happened anywhere in this movie. And so that's why I felt like it was just, it was easy, right? Oh, it's easy just to say that everything's going to fall apart and man's going to eat himself and we're all going to become cannibals in the end. And that's not true. It's just not true. And so to, to resort to that, it's just cheap theatrics. And that means to me that it, they didn't even try. So but that's me. Again, I'm, I fall on a totally different wavelength about this movie. <laughs> so, Well, not necessarily because I, I agree with you. That is the kind of movie that I would rather see. And that's the, the kind of society I would rather see. I, I, so I agree with you. That's the way it ought to be. And, and even is to us uh, in, in some ways. I mean, you gave real life examples. So yes, I know it's like that, but it's just, this, I mean, you're right. This is not the movie we got. And that's why I ultimately don't like this movie either. But again, I was trying my best and I guess maybe <laughs> I just succeeded a little bit more at looking at the process along the way. Uh, and you're right. There was not a balance there, but they did throw one little tiny bone when that guy was going out the, the door and they tied the, the rope to his waist. And he's like, Lady, I believe in God too. I just don't believe he's the vindictive asshole that you do. So they they threw a little bit of a bone there to, you know, believe in God. And then also I have one quote from the movie. And it's, it's not so much a profound quote as much as it's a tiny little exchange. But it's when, and again, this is another spoiler for the movie, but it's when Mrs. Carmody finally gets taken out. And it is Ollie that does it. And he's had enough. And he's like, this, this is not helping. This is, this is going to make things worse. So as much as I hate to do it, I got to take her out. And he just shot her in the head. And so David says, thank you, Ollie. 
And Ollie didn't go, yeah, I couldn't take any more of it. You know, he wasn't like uh, macho about it. He was like, I wouldn't have shot her if there had been any other way. You know, he didn't want to do it. He did it because he had to. And he said, I wouldn't have shot her if there had been any other way. And David just says, that's why I said thank you. Uh, and I thought that was a nice exchange. They, they weren't they weren't bragging about it. They weren't, finally, she's gone. She's dead. Thank goodness. The witch is dead. They, I mean, they were still kind of solemn about the fact that they had to do this thing. Uh, so I, I kind of appreciated that moment. Uh, but I mean, you're still not wrong. I agree with you. I, I may not feel as passionately about it as you did. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I do not like this movie either because, it is, yeah, it is constant negative. And like you said, the lack of hope and, and doesn't go anywhere. And and then, you know, the end is kind of the, the climax of all that. But I guess I just I guess I salvaged the little tiny slivers of positive somewhere in the movie. But but you're right. It, it's not great. So, Andrew, we've both gone on. I, I've still got maybe a little bit more on the positive negative, but Andrew, do you have anything? Yeah, I just I just think that Dave is missing the point of the movie. This is a what-if scenario. It is actually kind of preaching the message that you're preaching. It's that, you know, we should keep hope as a society because this is what if society loses hope, all hope. This is what happens. It breaks down and it kills itself. This is why we need to keep hope as a society because this monstrosity is what will happen. By so this much- monstrosity, you mean somebody making this movie? <laughs> well, and in a way, the, the one lady uh, leaving at the beginning, in a way, that was a little sliver of hope because she she did kind of say... I. I've just got a chance. Now, at the time, I think the, I mean, they had no way of knowing this ahead of time, but I think the people in the supermarket were, based on the information they had, they were probably still making the smarter choice. And the other lady just got lucky. Also, near the end, the eight people trying to leave, in a way, that's hope. They were trying something. They were like, you know, we just got to take a chance. Now, obviously, the movie still kicks you in the groin because it doesn't work, but at least they tried something in a way that was the sliver of hope. It wasn't enough, but at least it was a tiny bit. I mean, you're right. If you're looking for hope, this ain't the movie for you, but it, it kind of gives it to you in small doses along the way, but then it gives you a big dose of anti-hope at the end. But then as far as other little nitpicky positive negative stuff, just the fact that this is a creature movie, was already a negative for me. I'm not into monsters or creatures. It's not my thing. Uh, I, you know, if you break science fiction, fantasy, well, I don't even like horror in the first place, but if you break down the big genres into subgenres, I usually prefer things like space opera, time travel, future tech, uh, maybe a little bit of mutant stuff, superhero stuff, things like that. Monsters and creatures, I'm just not into them. So, this movie already kind of had that going against it too, for me on, on a personal level. And Dave, you were talking about the creatures themselves. Yeah. The CGI was not that great for them uh, at times. Also, why, when they cut off that one tentacle, why didn't they bring it to the front to try to convince the people, Hey, look at this. And they were trying to get people to go back. Well, if people aren't going back to the back room, then bring the tentacle out to them, especially since they find out later that when you touch the tentacle enough, it kind of breaks down into a liquid. Well, you've only got a limited amount of time, bring the tentacle out and show them, Hey, this, this weird looking thing is what was, is a piece of what was in the back. Oh, and how did private Jessup 
still stand after being stabbed three times. I thought that was weird too. Abs of steel, man. He's in the military. But yeah, yeah I, I see what you're saying about the monsters. Also, if you looked closely at what happens when they poke the thing with the stick, it jerks around like it's trying to grab onto something. So actually, if they had picked it up and brought it to him, it probably would have just eaten that person and maybe have regrown. Well, but see, this group has shown that they there's actually some intelligence in this group, too. They're not all a bunch of dummies. They're, they they actually try some things that kind of halfway work. So surely somebody would have been smart enough to say, hey, let's let's use some long sticks and like carry the thing like tongs or something with long sticks or maybe uh, drag it with a rope or something. Surely somebody would have thought of some kind of way of bringing it out to the front and displaying it to the group to convince everybody without actually just, you know, grabbing it with their hand or something. Um, and I kind of messed up. I, I should have saved some of those comments for lightning round. Now I may not have much lightning round. <laughs> Anything else before we go into the final phase? I'm nothing. okay leaving it there. I got nothing. Okay. So this next phase is called the depression phase. And this is where we talk specifically about the resolution. And I know there's going to be some rants. So Another I'll one? hand it off to one of y'all. Oh my goodness. I, I, I'm afraid to go. Dave, go ahead. <laughs> I think Dave should go just to get it out of the way. I, I, I don't have anything more to add. I mean, the, there was, you know, was the, the ending depressing? Yeah. Was it, I guess I would ask the question of why would anyone even want to make a movie where the goal is for people to leave the theater depressed? Why, why would that be the goal? I don't yeah, even understand the, the psychology of why you would want to begin the process of even making this movie and releasing it out into the world. I mean, it just, I, I don't know. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, why? See, I, you look at the final scene as just depressing, which it is. Yeah. At a face value. But when you go deeper with it, everything that happens in that scene is to make you think. It's to make you think, you know, you know, you know, just the human oh, no, condition no. as a whole. And you I read know, the I read all the reviews and everything. And I and the the writer and director, producer all said the whole point of that is to make you say, Oh, that sucks, to punch you in the gut. That's the only, and a matter of fact, initial was to make it even worse. Another truck was going to go by with all the people that they left in the, the grocery store to show that they got out. Okay. It, the whole point of that scene from the words of the writer was to make you, you feel like it sucks. So yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with anything deeper than that. That's what the writer said he wanted to do. Why would point, put that out there? I don't know. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And why you would want to make that your goal? I, I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's, I'm so glad I didn't spend a penny on this. Matter of fact, I almost want to cancel my Netflix because my guess because I paid for Netflix somehow. Some money went to this somewhere. 
Um, that's how bad this movie is. Um, but yeah, that's the that's from the writer. He said that's what I wanted to do. Okay, well, yeah, which is which is not good. Which should should not be a goal. Just because that was the intended goal doesn't mean that was the output. And I think that the resolution was, even if it was by chance, it makes me think. It makes me go deeper. It makes me, you know, think about the human condition, think about psychology and emotions and what happens when there is no hope and why you should always hold out hope. And that's just how it makes me feel. Even that if that wasn't the intention, that's how I see it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I guess I'm going to be the person somewhere in between again. It, I feel like everything that happened in the ending is logical, purely logical. If based on everything they've seen, the fact that they can't go any further, uh, the fact that the area seems clearly overrun, the fact that, or well, maybe not fact, but the pretty safe assumption that they are about to become either food for these creatures or incubators for to make more creatures, and that that's going to be a slow, painful death that they want to avoid. It makes pure logical sense that he would do what he would do and that the adults in the car would actually choose it. And in a way, uh, maybe this is a stretch, but in a way the kid even gave consent because there was a scene earlier in the movie where the kid said, make me another promise, dad, that they won't get me. They, I can't remember his exact wording, but something like that. They won't get me no matter what. Monsters won't eat him. Yeah. Yes. So in a way, the, the father, as horrible as it is, was fulfilling the promise to the son. And I know that's a stretch. And I, now, again, that is pure logic. And Dave, factoring in your point about hope, if they were to sacrifice a little bit of logic and factor in a little bit more hope, maybe they could have said, let's stick to that plan, but let's maybe walk a little bit further, or maybe let's wait here a few minutes, or, you know, we don't hear any creatures nearby, so maybe we're not in danger at the moment. And maybe if they had waited just that another moment, then that's when the military would have showed up and everything. But again, that's not the kind of movie they're wanting to give us. And, and that's why we hate it. And that's why I hate it too. Again, going along with that whole character study and how people react and, and maybe even sometimes making the wrong decision, the ending makes sense. It's still horrible and I still hate it, but it kind of makes sense. Like, you know how some uh, here, especially here lately, one of my complaints about movies and, and other things that we've seen is that certain things don't make sense. I didn't feel that way in this movie. The movie made sense. It it, it may have been unlikable and it may have been horrible, but it made sense. That wasn't my complaint at any point, including the ending. And I mentioned at the very beginning that I may have had like one sliver of brightness in the ending. And that is at least we didn't see it. I was really dreading that moment. It's like, I know what's coming because there was one time that I went to go pick up Dave Teague for uh, to go see a movie and he was watching this movie. And so I was kind of waiting for him to get through playing a game because he's always doing that whenever I was uh, picking him up uh, for a movie. So I was waiting for him to, to get done playing the video game on his computer. And I think at some point I must have turned away. Either I was talking to him or I was 
looking at my phone or something. And I didn't see the moment that happened in the movie. And I was like, wait, what happened? Cause I think I saw the moment afterwards where the, the character is yelling. I was like, why is he yelling? And Dave T had to explain it to me. I was like, Oh, thank goodness. I didn't see that. So I knew that this time actually watching the movie, I was probably gonna have to watch that scene, but I was ready to turn away. And it's not that I haven't seen gunshot wounds to the head in other movies and TV shows, sadly, but I, I, I hate seeing it. So I was like, am I going to have to look away? And thank goodness they don't actually show that they, they show an exterior shot of the, of the truck and you see the muzzle fire. So, you know, he's doing it. And then you see him yelling afterwards. And I was like, okay, at least they didn't show it to me. In fact, afterwards you do see the three adults kind of slump down, but I don't think they do a shot of the kid. I was like, okay, at least they have enough decency barely to not show us that, but obviously it still happens and it's still horrible. Uh, but, um, and then it's an extra kick to the groin when you see that, uh, that the military comes and, Oh, if he had waited another minute, they would have been saved. And then an even more kick to the groin when it's like, Oh, that lady that ran out the beginning, she got her kids and she's on this truck. And it's like, Oh my goodness. In fact, I had forgotten about that part. So I was like, this is a double kick to the groin. Um, so yeah, this movie is not the kind of movie you want to go into. If you want to be happy, having hope, I, Dave, I totally agree with you on that. That is not the kind of movie that, you get out of this. And so I, it, but along the way, I felt like it had a little bit, uh, a little bit of not even good stuff, but just realistic stuff that kind of made sense. And like I said, it was kind of the, the character study aspect. And, and now I think I'm out of gas. <laughs> I think we all are after this review because it's deep. Disabled. But yeah, I mean, we've pretty much gone over it. If nobody has any extra points, then we'll just go into lightning round. Lift off and the clock has started. Lightning round. All right, then grab your dice and roll for initiative. I've always wanted to say that. I never played Dungeon Master. That was so cool. I got an 11. I got a 6. Man, this dice sucks. 10. Oh, All right, go ahead, Dave. I'm scared. <laughs> yep. Tell right, us Dave. all the redeeming qualities about this movie. You ready? I'm ready. And go. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. more seconds yeah don't waste your time on this movie people just don't even waste your time there's a whole lot better way to spend two hours I actually got to see Top Gun 2 Maverick today it was all okay and I think I'm next right yep yep okay and go uh, does a good job building tension does a good job highlighting people's strengths and weaknesses treats most not all but most characters with at least a little bit of level of logic and sympathy and it's okay that it's not all of them because realistically not all people in real life are going to be uh, uh logical or sympathetic uh do i have anything left uh dave i wish you were here to to tell us why <laughs> why you wanted us to watch this movie why dave uh, why we, we miss you and i hope the rest of that you put on the list aren't this bad <laughs> okay andrew you ready Yes, sir. And go. Why did Dave like this movie? Because 
it made him think. It made him think deeper. This movie is more than just a movie because it's not a good film at face value. It's art, and art is meant to evoke. It's not meant to represent. Art, this piece of art evokes the emotions and the thoughts that it's trying to, whether you see it or you don't. And that's why Dave chose this movie. And I miss you, Dave, and I love you. This is the art equivalent of the crucifix in a jar of urine. Gross. No, but wow. what? 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 Before your time. That was actually an art piece in the New York Met. Oh, that's disgusting. But they called it art. So, that's oh, it makes art. you think. No, it's to get shock. No, I won't argue. Okay. Um, do we get to rate it now? Ratings. Can I go first? Can I go first? Um, actually, yeah, I had a new idea. I think that the way we rolled initiative should be the order that we rate it instead oh, okay. of it just being random. Okay. So cool. it would go you, then Todd, then me again. So go ahead. Take it away. So on a scale from one to ten, I give this a negative two. Can't do that because that's not allowed. But it, it it literally gets a one. There's nothing redeeming about this movie. There's no reason to see it. There's nothing valuable about it whatsoever. So, yeah, it gets a one out of 10. All right. So I guess I'm next. I mean, I definitely agree with you on some points, but I guess I just don't feel as extreme on those points. I mean, this movie is going to kick you in the head, especially at the end. I guess I was, for the sake of Dave T, I guess I was trying a little too hard (laughs) to find the redeeming qualities and while they're not a lot, I guess I, I kind of sort of found them. And so along the way, I was like, well, this isn't too terribly bad. It's not my kind of movie and I never want to see it again, but it's OK, sort of. But then ultimately that ending, I mean, uh, it, 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 uh, that's enough to even if everything else were glowing about the movie, the ending would be enough to make me still not like it anyway. So I give this movie a C minus and I rank it 61st out of the 66 movies that we've reviewed so far. So it's just barely outside of the bottom five. Okay. So wait, what, what movies have we watched that are worse than this? Uh, okay. The space between us. No. Yeah. Uh, Stardust. What? Yeah. Okay. The thing, Blade Runner, and I, yeah. and I know that and I know that's controversial. I'm sure some people are out there like, "Oh, Blade Runner is classic." I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't get anything out of it. Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Dune. Yeah, I can see Dune definitely being number one on the bet list. Okay. Okay. At least. Clue Clowns from Outer Space had an entertaining point in it. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Uh, what you got, Andrew? Okay. In the end, uh, it had normal production value, but the way that it got points in my book was actually in the bonus points. It was philosophical and moral ideas, and it makes me think. And it's just those bonus points that really gave it the rating that it did. And honestly, I almost feel bad rating it because I think that a piece of art shouldn't be rated on a face value, but I gave it an B plus a very high B plus. And I like this movie. I like it a lot. And I think I'm going to rewatch it again. 
and might get depressed, but it makes me think. It makes me think about the human condition. It makes me think about philosophy. It makes me think about what happens when we lose hope and why under no circumstance should we let go of hope. I don't know why it didn't invoke that in you, Dave, but it invoked it in me. And that's what the movie was trying to do in the end goal is to invoke that feeling. And I see why Dave suggested this movie. And I wish we were here to talk about it together because I think we would have agreed on a lot of points in this movie. And that's why he suggested it. Because nobody's ever going to watch this for its face value. It's going to be for what it invokes. And that's why I gave it an A. Watch anything that was adapted from a short story from Philip K. Dick and you'll get, you know, the human condition really thinking and actually done in a good way. I guess that's another problem I had with this is there's too many people who have done studies on the same thing and written better and made better movies. So I'm okay with, you know, doing those things, but if you're going to do it, do it in a way that's entertaining in some way. And and then people actually want to pay attention to it. Um, Okay. And I agree with you on everything, but in a way this is kind of reassuring because Dave, you're right about this movie having a total lack of hope, but by the movie having a total lack of hope, it taught Andrew about the importance of hope. So in a, in a weird way, this movie still accomplishes something. And just like Andrew said, that's this part of art and entertainment and it's going to affect people different ways. And it's why we do this thing. Yeah. This, this was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, really wish Dave was here to talk about this movie with us, but I really hope we did it justice showing the three different point of views, you know, the positive, the sort of mid-tier, and then the absolute trashing of this movie. So, listeners, we need you to weigh in. Let us know what you think about The Mist. Worth the time? Waste of time? Did you get something out of it that maybe we missed? Let us know. Email us at discerninggeeks at gmail.com. On our Facebook page, The Discerning Geeks Portal or on Twitter at discerning geeks. We want to hear from you and what you think. Um, did you find that you were moved in any way, shape or form by our discussion on the mist? Did it uh, make you like it or more or less, or did you take one of us to heart and avoid it altogether? Just uh, let us know. Yeah. I mean, that's all I got. So until next time. Did I forget something? Oh, the wheel! Dang it, I keep doing it. I suck at moderating. suck at moderating. The portal, the portal, the portal, the portal. Okay, who wants to roll for the portal? I'm sorry. I always do it. Dang. All right, we'll cut that out in post-production. Hold on, I got to find the dice, though. Okay, while you're looking for your dice, I also have a question because we're, we're still workshopping the name for this portal thing, whatever it is. I'm still unclear. This this idea that we have for for stepping through the portal for our, for our next topic is it that there are a, a like a whole bunch 
uh, of portals, like a multiverse of portals, and we're rolling dice to figure out which one to step through? Or is it a single portal that can change destinations and we're rolling dice to find out which destination, but it's still a single portal? A single portal. I think, yeah. See, I envision it like um, Stargate, right? And the portal, when we roll, it dials up a destination. And today's destination is... 93. Oh, no. Sorry, I'm not in the right place. Ah, where is it? Ah. <laughs> All right, is it, what was the number again? 93. Oh, okay. Dave, I think you might feel better about this one. I think it's one of your picks. Dark City. It is one of mine. Uh, another great movie that talks about the human condition in okay. dark and hopeless times. Actually done well. Good comparison. Okay. Great role for the portal. Yay. I feel it, redeemed. Now that's a funky movie. It, it's a little it bit is. weird. <laughs> there's, there's some weird stuff about it. And I think I technically like it, but there's some stuff in there that's even weird for me. Siskel and Ebert, I think one of them, maybe not both of them. I think I got it wrong. At one time I thought it was both of them, but I think at least one of them rated Dark City the best movie of whatever year it came out. It was just Ebert. Gene Siskel's top 10 of 1998 were 10. Waking Ned Divine, 9. There's Something About Mary, 8. Simon Birch, 7. Ants, 6. The Truman Show, 5. Shakespeare in Love, 4. Saving Private Ryan, 3. Pleasantville, 2. The Thin Red Line, which Todd said he hated, and at number 1, Babe, Piggy in the City. Roger Ebert's top 10 of 1998 were 10. Primary Colors, 9. Life is Beautiful, 8. Shakespeare in Love, 7. Babe, Pig in the City, 6. Elizabeth, 5. Happiness, 4. A Simple Plan, 3. Saving Private Ryan, 2. Pleasantville, and at number 1, Dark City. Okay, must have been a crappy year. Um, So... What, have you? Wait, wait, wait! wait you're, are you prejudging? Have you seen it? No. Okay. It, well, you might like it. Well, I mean, will I? I mean, and I think it's another one we've got to rent. <laughs> it might. Be. Oh no! Man. Oh no! <laughs> okay, we're gonna be doing a sleepover with all these movies we gotta rent. Okay. What? What's it about? Like, on. You know. It's hard to kind of tell what it's about without giving away a lot of kind of the, the the stuff. It starts off as almost like a murder mystery. The guy wakes up in a hotel room. He doesn't have his memory. And like his girlfriend's in a bathtub and, and she's been killed. And the police are coming after him and he has to try to escape. But then he is able to uncover that he is the Quitsack Hatter in something much much bigger and deeper um, and and it is basically an experiment of the human condition and so yeah it, it'll be interesting to see um, I will say if I have a complaint about this movie pre-watching it and I know um I've had this issue in the past is watch it somewhere where you have like, it's, it, it's very dark. Like when I say dark, like the it's all, everything's filmed like at night. 
like everything's in the dark. <laughs> and so it's, it's one of those movies where you want to be in a dark room so that you can see what's going on on the screen. You don't have a whole lot of external or extra light because it could mess up your viewing. So, yeah, it's a dark movie called Dark City. That's surprising. Well, you can reach us at discerninggeeks at gmail.com, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And we are on Facebook and Twitter, Discerning Geeks Portal, of course. Yep. And that's all. Till next time. Have a great evening. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. May the force be with you. Always. Wait, 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 wait,